Man, episode 47, Corbs, what can we say? Um, if you get the opportunity right now, just if you're on your device, if you're driving, don't do it, but just quickly Google Gerald Kazanowski. If you are unfamiliar at all with who this gentleman is, uh, the resume and experience speaks for itself, and another UVic uh, legend that we had a chance to, to chat with. Uh, what an episode. Uh, so many great takeaways, the names that he brings up that he's had the opportunity to compete with and against. Phenomenal. And, and again, um, just that humble sort of calm, stoic uh, person who you know has accomplished way more in basketball than so many people in this country, but really doesn't want to make it about himself, wants to just share the story and the connections that he's made. Corbs, what did you think about the episode overall? I just thought that with the resume like this, he'd be, you know, a lot more, not arrogant, but just not, I, I don't want to like just have a bit more confidence or just a little bit more showy, a little bit more, you know, to, to play that kind of level and to have succeeded at such a high level. you think they'd have a lot more like hawkiness right but just hearing him speak as you guys will hear in the next couple of minutes here but uh just so humble so down to earth it doesn't sound like a guy who's like a three-time all canadian an mvp prodigious pro career olympic career right so yeah like the way he downplayed the pro career like he's playing in some of the best leagues in Europe against the best players, like bar none, right? And uh, some cool connections to a former UBC player who's playing over there now and just a great episode. And we all know that you're going to really enjoy this. In the meantime, like, subscribe, comment anytime you can. Spread the love. Let's go. Cough, cough, tone. We are back on a hoops journey and once again hopping on the ferry for a white spot burger uh, heading over to technically Victoria but the roots for this uh, this man is uh, Nanaimo. Um, anyone who knows about this individual and the accomplishments he's has and the resume he's built uh, through the game of basketball uh, the name will ring to you. Uh, Howard Samura and the the BC boys basketball crew decided that uh, his his high school basketball team was the best in the last 75 years um, he was the 1978 MVP um, a pretty cool moment for him as he got to share that with his brothers which I guess we'll talk about we are so excited to have the legend himself former Olympian um, Uvic Vike Mr. Gerald Kazanowski how are you sir Aaron thank you I'm doing great thanks for having me on this is this is cool to be able to reminisce a bit of, of the past yeah, and uh, like we just talked about, you can um, make your stories even better than they are, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we were talking about having two or three people together so we hold each other accountable because, you know, athletes have great imaginations. And as you get older, your your healthy egos, they, they, you know, that was a big part of our success. But as you get older, you kind of you kind of let it grow. So it's 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 fabulous what you guys are doing. You're kind of documenting some of the basketball history to, to, to inspire future generations. That's cool. Yeah, thanks. I um, 
my dad's 82, grew up in, in uh, Esquimalt, and I, so I sent him the Ken Shields episode, obviously not, you know, really functioning on uh, Spotify or iTunes kind of guy, but I sent him something that was easy for him to click and listen to, and that's what he said. He said, you know, son, you're almost creating, like, uh, an audio book for people to mm-hmm. go back and listen to, and I never really thought of it, right, like that, and you said yeah. the same thing when we first got on here, so it's a nice to hear people's, uh, you know, opinions and thoughts and that they're connected connecting with it and enjoying it because um, like you mentioned basketball was such an important thing for so many of us and and it and it shaped us in so many different ways so um, we do appreciate those kind words and you taking the time to be with us how are things these days and how's life on the island yeah things are good I, you know I, I know a lot of people are are suffering uh, struggling through this pandemic and you know I take my my hat off I've got like four healthcare workers in my neighborhood and and you know, they're just superheroes. I mean, what they're what they're battling right now. I mean, for me, it's 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 kind of like I feel like I'm semi-retired. I'm still doing what I'm doing as a financial advisor, and you know, I've been biking into work. And you know, for me, I feel semi-retired. So it's hasn't really affected me. But a lot of my friends, it's it's a struggle. Um, you know, going to visit a few people in the hospital. You know, behind the glass. You know. And and some of my friends, you know, their 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 loved ones have passed because they weren't able to go see them in a hospital. So, so a lot of people, yeah, it's it's tough for them. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, just doing whatever we can to support and and realize that everybody's in different places with this thing is is important. And I know it's yeah, I know waiting for brighter days, but just trying to still make the best of each day, right? And and I think that's all we can do at this point for sure. Exactly. Yeah. That's 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 the way to do it one day at a time and, and just be try to be a spark or a light or helpful to as much as many people as we can. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, um, I wanted to mention uh, yeah. Al Al Dudridge, you know, the, the, the guy that tried to be a good ref here in Victoria. Yeah, oh he, yeah, of course. Yeah. He, he told me about you. He says you were <laughs> you were quite the player. You were like a small a small or like a Barkley, Barkley guy. Oh. Charles Barkley, big butt, you know, power forward. <laughs> And, and he said another thing. He said about his he mouth said, a lot. <laughs> no, actually, he did say as a coach, you were you're a good communicator. He actually, he's you're one of the few guys he actually would listen to as a ref. Well, I don't know if it. that was true. That's it for episode forty-seven. Thanks very much. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, Charles Barkley was one of my favorite players growing up. Um, and yeah, I was kind of an undersized sort of forward. So that would be a good, you know, I wasn't dunking on people the way Barkley was, but the same sort uh-huh. of idea. So I'll, I will take that and I will, I'll give, I'll, I'll wet the finger and I'll give that a check mark. So thank you. <laughs> and uh, that's awesome that you guys are, you know, chatting about the show and different things. So that's even, that's great. Um, yeah. I mean, this basketball community is pretty tight. So, you know, this, this is, you're, you're reaching out to a lot of people for sure. You know, most of my success, I want to say thanks to, you know, family, coaches, friends, and teammates. Uh, I was just a guy that excelled at basketball, and, and to all the people that I came across, they were, they were like the, the wind beneath my wings. I just want, want to say thanks. And and also, um, before I get into my, uh, I want to just remember Eli Pasquale just passed away just over a year now. And, you know, he was really close to the community here throughout Canada and the world. and. And just want to say hi to uh, Karen and their family, such good people. And then 
Cord Clemens passed away, and then just recently another trailblazer on the, in Victoria basketball, Gord Hoschel, just passed away. So, so um, yeah, no, that's that's great. And I also want to say, you know, I've listened to a few of your podcast shields, Hartwood, Bowl, and Triano. So uh, yeah, I really, really enjoyed uh, quite a bit there. So I guess yeah. And, and it, it's it's funny how basketball has changed over over time. Um, remember talking with um, with uh, Nash, Steve Nash, and Shields after the Eli celebration, and and you know how basketball still. I mean, as a coach, you you get you know it um, still much like a chess game, but analytics has really changed the flow. It's it spreads things out. Um, even team defense is different. Um, some of the things I'm I'm seeing now, you wouldn't do it back. You know, <laughs> certain help and stuff. It's it, it is quite a, quite amazing. But at the end of the day, it's still all about connecting and committing and having healthy relationships. That's the the main thing. But uh, yeah, let's let's start with how I grew up in Nanaimo. Um, both my parents were immigrants from Poland after the terrible World War II. Okay. Uh, both both were driven from their homes, and Dad was left to starve as a prisoner of war in Russia for a couple of years. And, wow! And uh, Phil's a good friend of mine, uh, and we we do a podcast on Wednesday, and his dad came on. And he was in the German army, and I actually said I had to say thank you to him because if Germany didn't attack Russia, then Stalin wouldn't have let tens of thousands Polish military to leave Russia to fight, and I probably wouldn't be here. So it's funny wow. how things turn out. Holy smokes, yeah, sure does, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, I grew up in a small house in Nanaimo. Um, mom, my mom and dad have since passed, and, you know, my mom said, work hard, but rest also. You know, family was very important. We respect each other and get along, stay together. Um you know, a need for strong leadership and setting direction and vision and priorities. And and she used to talk about work ethic, work ethic, you know, mm-hmm. anyone can have a dream, but the work ethic and patience to see it through. And, you know, a big thing was don't show off, you know, hot dog or showing off were frowned upon, stay humble, you know, and my older brother, um, I grew up with uh, three brothers and two, two sisters. And, and my two older brother twins, um, we were all in the same grade. But my oldest brother, um, he, that's where I got my toughness from. And mm-hmm. this idea about staying together, I can still remember his first summer job. You know, he got a job and he bought a sofa for our home, which was pretty, pretty cool about sticking together. Yeah. yeah. But what we had was um, we had lots of love, fun and happiness. But often my mom would say to me and my twin brothers is, get out of the house. You know, we had a small house. Get out of the house. Go to the park. <laughs> <laughs> and we, and then I, we have this huge mountain, Mount Benson. And as a kid with my brothers and friends, we used to lo- love to hike up to the top. And, and I can remember the night before having doubts, you know, should we do it? You know, cougars and all these fears. And then, and, but you gotta, you gotta keep through with with what you want to do you do take precautions but you you keep going but you know we were very competitive um it was fun to channel our energies to sport mm-hmm. where i learned about you know fitness and hard work and passion teamwork moving together with goals and and having fun while doing your best and you know my first 
first sport actually was softball. I love that sport. Um, I played it many years. I just love the smell of the leather glove. And, and then I started playing soccer for many years. And I remember when I was about 11 years old, I tried out for football. Mm. And it was with an older group. And these guys were much bigger. bigger. I was very thin. I didn't understand the plays. So I never went back. I just went for one trial. And my brothers kept playing. And they were quick. And they, they, so they got the ball to run. And many times, both of them, you know, they get tackled so hard. Their helmets were torn around. Their pads were turned around. But they just, they just kept playing. It was, it was funny to watch. <laughs> <laughs> so like slow pitch softball? Uh, slow pitch yeah. at the beginning and then yeah. uh, fast pitch nice. with, the, with the windmill. Yeah. 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 And what yeah, position? We, um, I pitched mostly. Sometimes yeah. I would be first base and then out in left field. I remember seeing like a video of um, who was that famous American, the female who could just throw heat. Oh, uh, yeah. Jenny something. And uh, yeah. she pitched to Barry Bonds and it was f- hilarious. He couldn't he couldn't keep up with it. It was awesome because she's so much closer too, right. And so like yeah. he couldn't pick yeah. the ball up in time. And it was it was hilarious to watch him even try. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it was the tough pitchers were the ones that could change it and change direction. I can remember there was this one guy in Nanaimo. He was so fast, a pitcher, so fast that you could barely see the ball, but he would do the same thing every time. So our coach says, just, just close your eyes, and, and when you think it's ready, swing. And, and we people used to hit him all the time, even though they couldn't see the ball. <laughs> so little change-ups is, is pretty cool. Yeah. Just don't forget you open your eyes to, to run. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. And, you know, my brothers and sisters were a big influence. You know, mm-hmm. I remember weight weight training with my brothers and running up this big hill in Nanaimo. And then I remember about grade six, um, my brother, my, my two brothers and I, um, we got together to form this band and Greg was on the drums and the rest of us were on the guitar. And we had one practice at a friend's basement studio. And we even came up with the name Cement Pond. And then Joey, this other guy got, into the high life so quick, into drugs, and we never had another practice. So that was it. <laughs> but I'm sure, I'm sure sports kept me away from bad influence, and I'm grateful for that. And, and I learned to accept criticism, and I welcomed it. You know, um, like in any family, you know, you want to improve. Um, as long as there's, there's connection, um, constructive criticism is a, is a good thing, and, and we need that to improve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all three of us were very active and super competitive. And winning started in, in, in basketball in grade six in elementary school with uh, our coach Sherry at Harewood. Mm-hmm. And then on to John Barsby with Coach Arnold. And then on to um, NDSS. You know, we have great memories at the high school there. Um, our coach, Levering, fantastic coach. And, um, you know, there was, you know, Don Horwood was another, you had him on. He was, you know, such a great program. Um, yeah. Awesome teams. Uh, and there was a lot of great players um, back in, in that day. And, and Levering used to say, character is what you do when no one is watching. And he got us um, winning. And, and, and 
that year we were 35 and one. We lost one game to uh, um, Australians All-Star team. Um, they came and we played in a tournament in Kelowna. And um, I don't like to use excuses, but we were at a pool and coach says 15 minutes in the pool. But I think some of us uh, stayed a little <laughs> bit too long in there. We were a little <laughs> groggy the next day. but A little bit of jello legs, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, that was a great team, you know. Uh, and we just had a reunion last year, Davis, Speed, Davidson, Tingna, my brothers, Carver, you know. Uh, there was uh, just just such a wonderful, wonderful year, I remember. I remember we drove in a snowstorm to a tournament in Calgary, and we were supposed to get there a day before to St. Francis. But we went up this one highway. We had to turn around, come back. We lost heat in the car, so we're covering our legs with newspaper. And we show up to the, <laughs> we show up to the game like 20 minutes before the game. And we didn't get a chance to, really to unthaw, but we were warming up. And people, you know, people were, I was told that people were laughing at us because we were walking around like Bambi, and they thought we would get killed by St. Francis. And we ended up winning by 30. Yeah, <laughs> and it was just you know we just had such an intense team and oh in that tournament our cheerleader, cheerleaders did a lot of fundraising and they they flew to Calgary so that was pretty nice of them. No way. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you guys had to you guys had to drive with no heat and they got to fly. That's uh, yeah. yeah. Well, they were smart. They did some fundraising, so they, they yeah. went in style. There yeah. you go. <laughs> so it sounds like in high school you had a pretty competitive group of guys that loved being around the game and and a, and a couple good sort of mentor coaches at a younger age. Um, were those did those guys were they at Barsby as well, or did you meet them at NDSS and sort of start to form things together from there? Um. There was probably one or two at Barsby, but uh, Barsby was a junior high, yep. and then NDSS was the one senior. So um, Davis came from Wellington. Um, some people came from Woodlands. So it was kind of a right. draw from from all over all over Nanaimo. So NDSS um, would have been the only high school at this time in the up there. I think that, yeah, I think you're right. I think it was sense. only yeah. Okay. And now there's like I think there's five of them or so. Yeah. And yeah. talk about, you know, I mean, you've touched on it a little bit. Obviously, you had a committed coach. I mean, if a coach that's willing to, you know, take you to Kelowna, go to Calgary, take you on the road, expose you to different, you know, um, players and things like that. Uh, I, I, my question was going to be, how did it feel to go to the, you know, the Coliseum and play? But it must have been, was it a seamless thing? Or were there still a little bit of nerves involved in when you guys kind of took the ferry over for the provincial championships and talk about that experience playing in the, in the big Coliseum and stuff? Yeah, it, it was. I mean, we, we went over in grade 11 and we came fifth. And um, Coach Levering, um, like you say, um, you know, I take my hats off to coaches. They they just are so committed. Um, the scheduling and the traveling and the practice, unbelievable. So when we came fifth, he had a meeting um, for the team for next year for the grade 12s. And he says, our goal was to win. So he, he was the first guy that really showed me about goal setting, setting mm -hmm. goals. And so we had um, a couple guys graduating, but we had a good core coming back. And so... Um, our grade 12 year, like I mentioned, Don Horwood, such a great tradition of winning and had such tough teams. I mean, he had um, 
um, Kelly Dukeshard, Kersinger, um, 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 Lanny Sawchuk, T. Tan, Bolin. I mean, great, great players and um, a great coach, great system. And we battled with them um, throughout the year. And we were the top two teams in BC. So um, we we um, kind of knew uh, what the competition was going to be in, in Vancouver. So so we took every game um, pretty pretty intensely. And and, and going to uh, Vancouver, um, we, we, we knew it would be a battle. And, and um, you know, the thing about our team was that I won one MVP. And often I ask people, do you want to interview me or my brother Greg? Because my brother Greg actually won seven MVPs that year. Oh, and, right. Yeah, in yeah. the different tournaments. Yeah. <laughs> and the, he was a great scorer. And then my other brother, John, was a great defensive player. So it was like a really team effort. And then Paul Davis, I think he got 34 points in the final game against Obey. So it wasn't like it was just one or two players. It usually was two or three players played well, but we had like seven, eight great players that would come in. And and so we, we you know, our practices were tough. I mean, coach would, would um, have these scrimmages where um, he would switch players every as they get closer to the final score and then whoever lost would have to do sit-ups, push-ups or lines. And so practices were pretty intense. Also, we had, we had quite, quite a, quite a nice team, mm-hmm. but you mentioned about that award, the 75 years. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it's an honor to win that. Uh, you know, it's just um, a tough thing. It's, you know, someone's opinion. Of course. Um, and, but it's, it's quite an honor, but, but I look at, um, you know, some people say, say, hey, did you guys deserve it? And I think, well, you look at our, the Island team that, at that point, there was, there was four players from the Island that went and on to the 83 team to beat the U.S. with Hall of Famers Barkley and Malone. There was Duke Shar, yeah. um, Wiltshire was in grade 11. Okay. Ken Larson was supposed to be on that team, but he got injured and myself so there's four four players from that era and then you look at you know players like duke shar and ken kersinger he was like a man playing against boys um and so you know if if you want my opinion i think obey should have got the second place um but again it's just someone's opinion it's, it's such a hard thing to predict totally who, who and when yeah um yeah, it's kind of humbling and but an honor and like so many different things all in one, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We want to take a moment and thank our sponsor, Parkside Brewery. Located in the heart of Port Moody on Brewers Row, Parkside offers an amazing atmosphere with one of the best summer patios around. If you can't make it to the brewery located at 2731 Murray Street, then hit any government retail store and try the Don Pilsner, the Dusk Pale Ale, or my favorite, the Dreamboat Hazy IPA. A Hoops Journey promises that the beer at Parkside is much, much, much better than the owner, Sam Payne's Streaky Jump Shot. We hope to see you Parkside. After a brief hiatus, Goodlad Clothing has returned, but under a new location, 3283 Main Street is where they can be found 
Name drop a hoops journey to get 10% off any clothing items in store. The store no longer offers barber, but you can find the best retail around. Thanks to our sponsor, Good Lad Clothing, and we hope to see you there. And I think you, it sounds like you had a good grasp early on though, in terms of just the importance of, of team, right. And, and knowing that like someone might be a top scorer for one game and it's a committee that's picking an MVP. And, and, uh, did you feel like that was one of your strengths as you move forward with basketball that like, you just really understood how to play your role within a team? Did someone teach you that? Or was it just sort of something that you learned through competing? That's a good question. Um, you know, I, I think my strength is just, um, you know, I, I developed a nice hook shot. Um, I developed, um, uh, you know, positioning, um, being able to rebound. Um, and so I developed certain, certain uh, traits, but at the end of the day, I just, you know, whatever was needed to win. I mean, there was, um, um, Greg was the scorer, and so he was um, getting the points. Um, often, I would just rebound. So, so it just to me, I just love to win, and and it didn't matter about um, really anything else. So mm-hmm. whatever, whatever it took, um, um, and, and I think that's tribute to Coach Levin. He, you know, you know, one of the things he says is he wanted to to win the Grade Twelve um, championship. So. And then another thing he said, you know, Gerald, you should start thinking about maybe playing the Olympics. And, you know, I was just a, a, a young kid from, from Nanaimo. I was yeah. very shy, you know. Were you? And, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I was shy, and, and but I love sports. And, and so I kept that in the back of my mind. I said, really? Oh, maybe. And, and then I just said, okay, I'm going to keep playing. I'm going to go to the next level. And, and you know, he taught us about intensity, playing together working hard, dedication, you know, and it's okay to be, um, you know, playing a little bit different. I mean, our style, we used to run and, and just, you know, take a lot of gambles on defense, kind of, kind of like what golden state does is, mm-hmm. is you know, uh, my brothers often would let their player drive by cause they know they can either tip it behind or they, they'll herd them into, into, into me or Paul. So, yeah. So, yeah. That's funny. So I kind of, you know, I learned all those things. And I just wanted to keep playing. So, so that next step was to to go to um, UVic. Uh, Ken and, Shields. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. No. And yeah, what did that look like? Was he? How does the recruiting process look at that time? You know, and and <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he's seen you play a bunch at this point, and obviously knowing Ken and you know his unique style, I'm interested to hear how this all happened. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good because I was actually there wasn't a lot of recruiting. Right, uh, I was recruited by North Idaho College. Uh, I think where uh, Wilt went his first year, and Gord Herbert went, and Gordon Simon Herbert. Fraser. Sorry, what's that? Gordy Herbert. That's a name. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. He's the coach. Of, uh, he, he was just coaching in the Canada's national team. Yep. Down in Puerto Rico. Yeah, that's they, right. They just, they just qualified. Yeah. Good guy. Yeah. And um, Simon Fraser. Um, actually, another team that recruited me that wasn't supposed to was the University of Calgary. And, and they wanted actually all three of us um, to go there. Okay. So. Um, uh, Shields had a good program just starting. He had um, Dale City, Chris Hebb, 
and Levering, Levering liked um, Shields, kind of liked the program, and my older brother liked um, Shields. So we had a couple practices, and, and um, we said, okay, we wanted to keep playing, be close to home. And, um, and you know, Shields was all about preparation, and, and um, uh, we, we decided to go there. And, and our 79-80 team is just going to be inducted into the D-City Basketball Hall of Fame. Ah, and and um, you know, I remember the first year I was again still quite thin and coming up up against um, some of the players like like Chris Hebb. I mean, he, he's much like you. He was like Charles Barkley. He got me prepared to play against Charles Barkley when I played against Barkley in '83. <laughs> you know, you know Chris awesome. Hebb had a pro pro butt and a big barrel chest, <laughs> <laughs> and he used to block me out, man. So, I mean, one time he was blocking me up at half court. And I said, Chris, hold up. Hold up. Your team's got the ball. I mean, he just used to love to block people out. He was so good. And then Mickey, Mickey Welder, another guy. I mean, he was he was a strong, big guard. And, you know, when he used to set screens, I'd rather run into a wooden bleachers than to run into Mickey Welder's screen. I mean, even if I had a helmet, pads, and mouth guard, I'd rather run into, run into bleachers. You know, and, and same for Rennie Del Setti, another big guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mickey and my older brother, Richard, was just the same way. I don't know if you know the Italian player Dino Menegian. He might have been a bit older than okay. he was. Nope. I played against him in 84, and he's probably one of the toughest guys because Usually when I, I often in the national team or UVic, I would play against guys that are seven feet and I use my quickness and positioning. And, um, but with men again, he would just kind of briefly politely says, excuse me. And he just walked through the key and there's nothing you could do. He was just so, so strong and, and, and hides, you know, hides well. And he, he was a great talker. I mean, even going to the washroom, he'd be communicating, communicating somewhat. Watch out, weak side, weak side. <laughs> it was, these are the guys I played against, played with at UVA my first year. Anderson, Tan Anderson, he rarely missed the ball. But with Hides, I knew I had a good chance of a rebound, so I really developed my rebounding with Hides. And then Billy Luce, another another good guy on the team. I mean, with him, every time I passed him the ball, that's when I would rest because I'd rarely crossed center line because I knew once I gave him the ball shot was either going up or I definitely wasn't going to get it back. So mm-hmm. he, he used to like, love to shoot. <laughs> and then Higgs, Higgs had a very high basketball IQ, but he got injured. You know, the thing with basketball, you get injured and it just throws everything into the loop. And Kelly Dukeshire from Oak Bay, he could jump out of the gym. Mm-hmm. And Bruce Hamilton's now a, now a priest in Vancouver. He's very steady. Um, and then played with Pasquale. I mean, we played our first year, first time together was actually on the um, junior national team. Uh, we both were on the team. We bonded like brothers uh, to be the best. Interesting. And then, of course, my, yeah. And then my one brother, Greg, um, um, and we used to think. Um, and then and John, my other brother, didn't make the varsity team. So, during dinner one time, we're in our basement suite, and and we're thinking, um, you know, you know, University of Calgary won all three of us. Um, should we go there? Mm. And Greg says, "Well, 
No, really, I don't know. And I, I was saying, John, do you want to go? And he said, John, heck no. And I said, heck no. He became a good student. He loved the U of X social life, and he had this girlfriend. So we decided, okay, we're gonna we're gonna stay there. That's awesome. And, yeah. I was gonna ask that. I was gonna ask if there was ever a conversation about that. And it says a lot about your brother, you know, being selfless, realizing that you guys were in a good spot, and saying go yeah. for it. And he's enjoying his time, right? And um, yeah. so, are you trying to suggest that maybe practice was fairly competitive? with your group of guys <laughs> that Very, you just listed off. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. You've many of the practices were, you know, made the games easier. So mm-hmm. yeah, pr- practices were, were always intense and, yeah. um, you know, and, um, um, you know, Shields was, um, had everything prepared very well and, but another thing I really liked about Shields was he's also proud of the number of players that actually got their degrees. And, and mm. you know, he's he's all about, you know, sports, but also developing the person, too. So that was that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's yeah. And I think at times, especially in Canada, where I mean, not excusing America, but like in Canada, where maybe coaches aren't even paid what they should for the time that they're mm-hmm. put in, but they're still saying, hey you young men need to still focus on school and make something of yourself after this whole basketball things end ends, I think is, is a powerful thing and says even one more thing about coach Shields. I know a lot of people have really enjoyed hearing his story and you had the opportunity to be in that program where it was really transitioning to a powerhouse and talk about that, that first national championship and what it was this, the sensation. I mean, you know, you mentioned, I was just a, you know, an introverted dude from Nanaimo, an immigrant family, just taught to work hard, and all of a sudden you're on the biggest stage, winning mm-hmm. all Canadians, part of this great group of special guys, and you win multiple championships. Um, mm-hmm. Do you ever look back and just think, I mean, you know, there's other things that you probably look back on, but in terms of Canadian U Sport, CIS, CIU, um, you've re- you guys reached the pinnacle numerous times. That's pretty phenomenal. Yeah, and, and great memories. I mean, I remember my first year with these guys, and um, I remember it's funny how little things you kind of flash back on you remember. You know, I, you know, I just turned sixty, so my, uh, memory sometimes is not that great. But <laughs> I can remember flying in. Uh, the nationals were like I think in Halifax, and I remember flying all the way across Canada uh, first time. And about to land, and, and I'm going through my mind. You know, did we prepare? Did we do everything we could? And and I never had that thought again because Seals was always about preparation. He, he he was very had the team very prepared. So we ended up um, my first year coming second. We lost in the final, and then we won four straight. And and it wasn't. I mean, we had some great years great records but there was times it could have gone either way i mean there was one time i think in our third year we had won two national championships we're we're in canada west we're down like 22 at the half if we didn't win we weren't gonna proceed mm-hmm. i think dukeshire was injured i had i think stomach flu or something i wasn't playing well and and then you know i just turns on the game um and we turn on and we win the game so it's 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 remarkable feat to be winning so many national champions it's just it's just incredible no it really is because you win one and then it's like okay you're on the radar and then every single year with each championship people want to beat you just that much more so you already know 
you you guys have to up your level even more in practice and and prepare because each team is you're now the benchmark right mm-hmm. yeah. yeah no it's pretty phenomenal sure. stuff um, yeah and at what point did someone come and talk to you towards the end of your UVic days and you talked about wanting to be an Olympian and playing for Canada, making the junior national team? Um, did you realize that that, you know, that goal was going to come around or were you always in your mind thinking, I've got to keep my head down, keep working, and if this opportunity comes up, take advantage? I think um, um, right out of high school, um, I went to the junior nationals and we played in Brazil, junior worlds. and. Nice. Squally was there. We played against James Worthy, um, Sam Perkins, but I didn't know, you know, these guys. Um, so, I, um, you know, I, I look back and I says, yeah, that was great. You know, I didn't think much of it, but you know, it was, it was a great playing experience. And then, and then I tried out for the senior team, I think a year or two later. And, and I can remember going to one practice and, you know, these guys were, you know, dunking the ball. There's this guy from Winnipeg. I remember his name, Blyde Goofy. Just made an awesome dunk. And, and you're just thinking, okay, you're just going to do your best. And, and you know, you make the team. Um, and um, um, I played a little bit the first year. And then I think in 82, 82, near the end of 82, I started starting. And so it's it's a slow progression that, um, um, you know, you're just looking at, at getting better all every day and, and improving and, and then, um, 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 you know, 83, 1983, um, was one of my best memories, um, mm. playing against the U S. Um, yeah. Talk yeah, about that. Yeah. Danny cool. Mahar was on our team from Duke okay. and, you know, I was just a kid from Nanaimo. I didn't know these Charles Barkley or anything. So we're going into um, the gym to have our shooting practice. And and the U.S. team is down there shooting. And Danny Mahar says, Kaz, that's Charles Barkley. And and I'm looking down and says, where? And I see this guy. And um, he looks like, you know, an overweight manager. And <laughs> he goes up and he dunks the ball. And I, I, I shook my head. I said, did I just see this guy? I thought he was the manager. Yeah. And he dunks the ball. And I had to focus my eyes. And, and <laughs> no, Danny says, that's, that's Charles Barkley. And, and so, you know, I was a little naive how, who he was, but uh, probably a good thing because we, we went in and we didn't, we, we beat them. And we beat uh, Yugoslavia in the final with Petrovic. And, you know, we had such good rhythm on the team. You know, we had guys like, John Hatch, Danny Mahar, Eli, Jay, um, Tillman, um, unbelievable shooter from Calgary, Wilt, Gord, Tony, Billy, Howard Kelsey, and Duke. I mean, uh, Donnie just had us playing together just way beyond, you know, the sum of our parts. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and we believe we, we actually thought, we could win. We, we, we played phenomenal. And then to carry on to win Yugoslavia in the final was, you know, an awesome, awesome thing. Um, can we talk a little bit quickly about Jack Donahue? Like what, I mean, 
people in big Canadian basketball circles know, but I, I just, you know, I've read his books and like, what was it like playing for him? And you met, you just mentioned a little bit about him. Um, I, right. You call him Donnie there. Is that, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Talk about Coach what D. it was. Yeah. What was it like playing for him? And, you know, you think about back, you get to play for Jack Donahue, you know, Ken Shields, like, holy smokes, man. I mean, it, mm. we can talk about overseas as well. I'm sure you played for some great coaches, but in terms of Canadian history, it's pretty crazy. You know, it's it's funny. Um, I learned so many life lessons from Coach Donahue. Um, you know, some things he would repeat over and over, but, you know, some things he would just say once. Like he, he said, you know, respect others. Mm. And he says, show respect. When you're walking down a sidewalk, don't be a bully. Move out of the way. And and he said it one time, but it still sticks in my mind about mm. respect. And and him and Levering used to say the same thing. He says, you know, when the when the ref passes the ball, say thank you. You know, and so every time I'd shoot a foul shot, ref gives me a loss. Say thank you. And and mm. and these little things about um, you know positive attitude and and um, being respectful and. And so he 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 would talk to the players often, and 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 um, you know one time we were playing a game, and and um, uh, he, he he came over to me in a game, and he says, "Gerald, Gerald, are you going to start rebound? You want me to come in there and rebound? You know, and just little funny things, right in the in the heat of moment, and <laughs> and um, um, it's it just so many so many life lessons. Another thing he would say, you know." Uh, spend half the money and twice the time with people that you love. And, and wow. um, you know, and, and he used to say, if we're only doing it for basketball, then we're, we're, we're kidding ourselves. And he used to prepare, you know, people for, for, for being good people after, after basketball. So I, I really appreciate um, um, Coach Johnny for, for, you know, the character building he's, he's done. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. I just, uh, yeah. Those are like selfish questions that I want to hear <laughs> that I hope someone else can connect to, but, um, uh, I love it. And I, you know, I really love Jay's reflection on it too and all that stuff. So what a, what a cool moment for you guys and, and, and Canadian basketball from the men's side to be able to go out there and, and play against those, those Americans. And, you know, we always like to, every opportunity we get, it's always nice to beat, uh, beat an American side. I'm sure. Hey. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and and we beat them a few times in Knoxville, Tennessee, and then and and then we we came into the '84 Olympics and we played against Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. and um, they beat us twice, and they they were they were very tough. I mean, Michael Jordan, um, you know, his intensity was remarkable, very very competitive and passionate. You know, he we we had a two three zone. And it wasn't that he, he would jump really high, but he would just jump and seem like never come down. He would just sail through the air. So we, we had a 2-3 zone, and the guy on the far left would jump up, come down. Jordan's still sailing through the air. <laughs> Middle guy would go up, come down. Jordan's still sailing through the air, and then he'd dunk it on the, on the third guy. It was just, just a <laughs> remarkable athlete. Now that year is he just is he just coming out of college and getting ready to go to the NBA? Is he playing for Bobby Knight? Is it that year? Um, or no, was it before, Bobby Knight that? was the coach of the national of the Olympic team. I, I, he was in he was in North Carolina, probably still. I'm not. Was, yeah, okay. I don't think he was in the Olympics in the NBA, NBA yet. yet. Okay. Yeah. 
Could but just... Bobby Knight, it's funny you mentioned he yeah. was the the coach of the U.S. Olympic team. And how's that? And, but, <laughs> um, well, you know, Jordan had a huge reputation already. He was, you know, well known. Right. Um, and and I remember um, hearing Bobby Knight screaming at Jordan says, "I don't care who you are. Who the heck do you think you are?" He dribbled the ball off his foot one time and went out of bounds. And so Bobby Knight's yelling at him, I don't care who you are. If you do that again, you're going to be sitting on the bench for the rest of the game. <laughs> and, and, and I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, uh, you know, any human would react and say something or Jordan being flinch. He, he just kept playing. He was so focused. You know, I, I truly believe Jordan would play many years, even if he wasn't paid a penny. He just loved to complete, compete. He really? Just, hey? uh, yeah. Just an intense player. He was just, you that's, know. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. I mean, you get the opportunity to play in two Olympics. Uh, you end up playing later in night two against the dream team, just so many, uh, opportunities and, and playing for Canada. What was it like to wear that maple leaf every time? Did it, did it ever, um, was it always super proud or did you ever take it for mm -hmm. granted or were you, you know, especially when you think too, I think it's cool that you shared the part about your family and what Canada is able to offer people basketball aside, you know, a family like yourself to come have a humble beginning, get a small house, a big family surrounded by love and hard work. And then next thing you know, you're walking out onto a court with that country's flag on your Jersey. It's got to be some goosebump moments for you in there. For sure. You know, um, I think pride, pride is a lot to be mm -hmm. able to hear your anthem every time and, and just being able to go to battle with a group of guys that you're, you're really bonded with is, is phenomenal. I mean, when there's that connection, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's amazing. Um, you know, and guys would just battle and, and do whatever they can. Mm -hmm. And and so I, I don't think I took it for granted. I, I knew there were so many good players, um, um, that would, would, you know, do the same thing to play and represent Canada and, and so many good players. I mean, um, you might've known Andy Steinfeld. Oh he my was, goodness. He, he tried out near, near the end of my career. He was just playing and yeah. here, here's a guy that was phenomenal player. He, he had only one gear, like fifth oh. gear and, and just kept <laughs> playing and hard. And, and I think he played one or two years, but he just, you know, unfortunately the opportunities weren't there. and and mm -hmm. And so definitely I didn't take it for granted. There was a lot of, a lot of great players from BC, Canada that would have, would have loved to have played, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I got, I got drafted by Utah jazz in 84. And, and so, you know, I really enjoyed playing for Canada in the summer, but back then, um, you know, the NBA wasn't what it like today. You know, you yeah. talked earlier about sports in the States. It's just, phenomenal how it's grown and when i went there i was drafting the seventh round they had all the rookies sign a contract that if you make the team this is your 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 contract for the year it was like forty five thousand dollars and mm -hmm. and teachers were making like half of that mm -hmm. so so you know it wasn't something that was i was super excited about and yeah. and and coach d was worried that some of us would would make it in the NBA and, and leave. And, and Stu Granger, a guy from our team from Villanova, thought I'd get picked up from the West Coast team. But I went to tryout, and, and Triano came in as a free agent. 
and we had a good turn uh, trial. And and I asked Jay because I remember when we ever scrimmaged, they usually put Jay and I together, and and um, you know we'd win most of the scrimmages, and and um, and I think Jay would have maybe made the team, but this guy Bob Hansen was their fifth round. He broke his nose in practice, and he didn't give up. He kept playing. I bet if Jay broke his nose, that's what Jay would have done is just kept playing. <laughs> but Frank Layden, the coach, after came in and after a trial, and he said, um, Jay, you had a pretty good trial. Maybe maybe we'll have you back again next year. And then he turns to me and says, Kaz, what did you study in university? And I said, economics. And he says, oh, maybe, maybe you should pursue that career. And, and I felt like saying, well, you don't like winning here? <laughs> so... So it was a, it was an experience that, you know, I didn't make it, but it wasn't, I, I wasn't upset. I went and played in Europe for 10 years in yeah. the, in the off season and played in the national team in the summer. So I, I was really, really happy to play on the national team. Yeah. It's, it's funny and interesting perspective, you know, try to tell maybe some of the younger ish people um, that I've had the opportunity to coach. And we're always talking about eras and different things. And I'm, do you guys realize just like, maybe the state that the NBA was in kind of pre, you know, like Jordan and bird sort of got the momentum going back, but like there were some times where it was like you mentioned, right? Like it's not even heartbreaking to be like, Hey, yeah, I, I think I can do well just going overseas and having a fun time and having an opportunity to see the world, which is an interesting perspective. And I'm sure looking back the, the experiences you got from that, I mean, you can't replace that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Exactly, Aaron. I got to see the world, saw some great people. You know, some of my best friends are from from basketball, and, and still stay in touch with some players I played with. Essie American, I played used to play for Detroit. I played for with him two years in Spain, and and um, yeah, it's 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 a phenomenal experience. I really encourage anybody that can go over. To play in Europe to go to go. Um, some of the guys on our team, um, one guy, um, John Hatch, he flew himself over to Switzerland, played in like third division, and he moved up to first division. He became Mister Switzerland. So wow. a lot, a lot of opportunities, um, and and it, you know, it really encouraged for people. It's it's a great lifestyle. Um, you're making some money. Um, and um, get to see the world. I mean, my my first year was in Barcelona um, <laughs> after the '84 Olympics, and I, I thought I was in heaven. Yeah. Um, I, I was We're lucky I was we got playing. you back. <laughs> <laughs> well, they actually the team wanted me to marry a, a, a girl from Barcelona so I could play as a Spaniard, but I'm glad <laughs> I didn't. But I, I I was playing in um, Juventus where Ricky Rubio's from, and and actually yeah. Connor Morgan, you might know, he's playing Absolutely. on the team right now. Yeah, but. You know, I was getting paid. I was. It was warm. I was swimming. We we're winning. Um, you know, they used to rate players after every game in the paper out of ten. They would rate the players and rate the referees. So no we were winning. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> it's very. I mean, when you're winning, it's a great lifestyle. But when yeah. you're not, you you know you want to hide. You know, and 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 there's some players over there that. I'm thinking, what the heck? How come they're not in the NBA? And then there's other players, and it just goes to show you just got to be in the right place at the right time because there was a guy, I still remember his name. I think it's Bob Thornton. He played for a team in Spain. And I think, looking, we played him, and I think, what the heck is he doing over here? He's, you know, maybe he was had a bad game or something. Next year, he's playing for the New York Knicks. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe it. It's just, 
just amazing. But my first year, I remember I got in Barcelona, I got uh, homesickness, little mild depression. I still remember December 5th, 1984. And I was fortunate the team um, kept me. And uh, we went on to win the, um, we usually in the final would be Barcelona against Real Madrid. And we beat Barcelona. Um, I did a hook shot at the end to win Barcelona and we went on to play Real Madrid in the final. So that was a, a pretty nice um, memory for me. I wanted um, to ask you about that. Is that the clip that you sent us? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so are you, uh, are you down one or is that a tie game? The guys at the free throw line there? We're down one with yeah. like no time left. Yeah. And the guy on our team was uh, kind of a very, we had a very young point guard um, and he was, uh, coach said, you know, don't, don't worry. Don't be nervous, uh, whatever happens. So he misses it and no time. I just do a hook shot and we, we win and, and we try to get out of the gym. They were shaking our bus. I mean, Barcelona, you don't <laughs> lose that their gym. Yeah. And, you know, the players are so passionate over there. Yeah. I, I noticed mean, that there weren't many people, um, other than the, the, the guys in the same jerseys willing to support you and cheer for, for you after that shot. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, with, you know, they are very tight. I mean, even at our gym, I twist my ankle really bad one time and, and I'm sitting on the bench and this old guy behind starts coming over and yelling at me. I says, what the heck is he saying? And, and the guy was explaining, you know, these guys are, you know, they're paying, they, they may make $10,000 a year, but they're paying a thousand for season tickets. They're very, very passionate. That's, that's wow. what their whole, whole life is about. And, but I learned, you know, my first year that, you know, basketball is a business and, you know, you have great friends, but in the back of their mind, they were thinking about next year's contract and, mm. and winning. Yes, is very important. Um, but, uh, you know, um, chemistry and, and, and all those things you need for, for winning. Mm -hmm. And, and I had a, had a great, great time the first year. I remember I got food poisoning. I lost 15 pounds and I was throwing up and diarrhea. And then we had a fight at 6 a.m. the next morning. So there was, there were some tough times, but overall it was uh, great, great memories. Yeah. You, you say some, um, couple interesting things that people have played overseas um, tend to mention, you know, the passion of the fans and when things are going well in the neighborhood, it's all good. I can go to the market and grab what I need. But uh, if we have a couple tough losses, you uh, maybe just order in a couple days or whatever. And then <laughs> also just that, yeah, that just that, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm on this team. I'm part of it, but also this is putting bread on the table for me. So when's that next contract coming? So, you know, does it make for different times or do you just learn to adjust as it, cause you're technically a pro now, right? So is it, you come up, do your job and, and hope that things work for the best. Yeah. You, you, you do your job. Um, but you're thinking winning because, um, you can be the leading scorer or you can be real flashy, but if you're not winning, then, I don't know if it's changed now, but they would they would get rid of players mid-season. They say, you know, bad chemistry, bad chemistry. So, so what you're doing, yeah, you're thinking about the contract, but you're really thinking about how can I get my team to win? How can I, you know, uh, make it so that we have a winning season? Mm -hmm. um, so, whatever, whatever again, whatever you can contribute, you connect, and then you contribute whatever way you can to 
to win. Mm -hmm. Do you, uh, that's great. Do you, do you keep in touch with, or if you can, do you watch Connor and and see how he's doing? And is it kind of cool to see someone else playing where you were? Yeah. I saw him a bit with Canada down in Puerto Rico. And I, I remember when his dad told me he was playing in Spain, I tried to see one game, but I haven't really been able to, to find the, 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 the site where you can see, I guess I could go in the old site and see some clips, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, it's, I, I, we go to Europe a couple, uh, every couple of years and I, I went to the um, place where I played and it's just changed so much. I mean, it's, um, it, it is pretty nice to reminisce and go back in time. Yeah. Though, so, you know, just give us some, and other than just saying they're just like passionate, you know, we've heard stories of flares being thrown and like you mentioned, like the bus shaking and getting security, (laughs) any other crazy sort of overseas um, stories? I'm sure you've got tons that you could probably share, but a few that maybe stand out. I love the stories um, and I think they really connect with people a lot. Sure. Um, (laughs) I remember... Actually, this was down in Mexico near the end of my career. Um, Howard got me um, in contact with um, the teams in Mexico, and and I'm shooting a foul shot, and the basket is is actually moving. Um, there's fans shaking the backboard, <laughs> and 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 I'm looking at the ref. I says, "Do you want me to shoot?" And he 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 looks at me. He says, "I'm not from here," so he's basically saying, "If if I tell them just." to stop shaking the backboard, they, you know, they're going to do something to me. So, so, I mean, it's just, that was pretty bizarre. And, and in Argentina, they're, you know, throwing stuff on the, on the floor, um, was quite, quite normal. Mm-hmm. Um, um, <laughs> other places I played in Sweden, um, not so bad. Finland, not so bad. Um, I do remember in Switzerland, I, I was playing and, and, and I remember I was in in this sort of funk for about a couple of weeks where I wasn't playing well. So I was just playing so, so hard in practice. I was dunking and playing hard. And, and the the other foreigner that we had on our team, he played in Italy and, and he had super bad knees. He was like coming to practice, icing and barely able to walk. And then we come out in the game and he'd get like 40 points. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, how does he get 40 points? A guy can barely walk. And it's just, it's just amazing how, you know, some of these guys were so professional. They can barely walk and he still managed to get, you know, 40 points. Yeah. And, and for you and your body, um, you know, you played in all these amazing places, get to see the world. At what point um, do you start to reflect for yourself and think what's my next phase or, um, how did that transition kind of out of playing the game happen for you? Good question. Because a lot of, a lot of people, players don't think about after, mm-hmm. um, uh, some of them go into coaching, which is great. They, they anticipate they're going to transition to coaching and, and that's okay. But, they but like, a lot they like of to players, torment themselves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like yourself yeah <laughs> and it's tough i mean not many players can make that transition but if that's you know your goal then then th- that's great you have a goal and unfortunately a lot of people don't have a, a plan b um mm-hmm. they just keep going and hopefully they think they can play forever so um you know 87 
I remember I came back and I went for a run and um, had my whole left leg was in pain. I had blocked out the sciatic nerve, so I had to have back surgery. And I, I was ready to retire. I was the type of player that's, you know, I didn't want to be, you know, not able to walk when I'm 60 sort of thing. So yeah. the um, the surgeon says, no, you should be able to to, to, to keep playing. And, and two weeks later, I was back in Spain um, playing and, and three weeks, or actually three weeks later, I was, I was back practicing and playing. So I felt good. So I kept playing, but at some point you kind of, after the 92 Olympics, um, I was 32 and, and, um, um, I was kind of thinking, okay, you know, I could probably play a few more years, but, but, um, it was time to start to think of, you know, after basketball, what's, what's the plan B. And, and, um, for me, it was, you know, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Uh, I study economics and, and I put a huge value in the economy and, and I work as a, as basically a financial coach to help people to get from where they are to where they want to be and allow them to focus on what's important in their life. So, so this is that's what I've been doing since uh, since '92, and and uh, I'm, I met my wife from from Mexico. We've been married 25 years. We have two lovely daughters that um, are in their 20s now, and I enjoyed coaching them so much in the night league and and, and camps and helping out some other coaches. Uh, I really get a kick out of that. Uh, um, I take my hat off to full time coaches. What a what a huge commitment it's that's great mm-hmm. and um and i love what i do you know i i thought um a couple of years ago i talked with my wife about retiring but uh, we said we've got a great life um mm-hmm. i work and i'm working less i've got a great partner alex that came on five years ago he's brilliant right now we're not traveling but uh, we feel semi-retired so yeah so uh, is alex yeah, teaching you new things and keeping you keeping you young at work yeah, actually, yeah. he's. You know, they they say hire someone that's smarter. He's got his PhD, <laughs> and and it's it's funny. There's yeah, he is teaching. One thing we were doing this this complex formula, and it wasn't adding up properly. And he says, Gerald, what we should do is test it against what we know, and we mm-hmm. tested against what we know, and 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 it made it made so much sense. So, so you're right. That's that's you know you're still pretty young, but as you get older, maybe. <laughs> have a couple assistants that are younger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking from, you know, from a personal perspective, you know, 17 years into teaching and I think it's easy to just have life become very, very mundane and sort of day to day and clock, clock mm-hmm. in, clock out. And I have some young people that I get to share an office with and they keep me just so current and so fresh and constantly without even knowing it, just challenging me to think differently. Right. As opposed to, mm-hmm. well, I've been teaching this way for 15 years and you could say, well, I have been advising for so long, but when you get new mindsets and different perspectives, it's, it almost is reinvigorating and it's like, well, why would I want to retire? I'm enjoying it. I get to ride my bike in and, and do my thing. So that's awesome. Good for you. And, yeah. and, and all that hard work has put you in a place where you can be happy and choose what you want to do. So that's great. That's powerful stuff. Yeah. And it's amazing. You recognize that because that's, that's basically, um, when you, when you mentor someone, um, you actually, um, get reinvigorated and, and you start doing things that, you, you know, maybe some less of the admin stuff, but you're still doing things you like. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's very wise on your part. 
Well, thank you. My gray hair and my chin would tell you so. <laughs> you got gray hair. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. So I didn't have a chance with my dad's jeans at all. So, <laughs> um, before we transition into kind of the the final part for you here, I just have a question for you, if you mind, just reflecting on. Uh, how cool it must have been to compete against the dream team and what that was like. And, and um, I don't, I should have done a little bit more research here, but other than Phil, were there any other former kind of teammates that you were able to compete with during those, that time or. Um, like on the national team. Yeah. With, yeah. Phil, oh, we were on the team together in 92. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Greg Wiltshire. Uh, and then there was there was guys Al Chris Manson from Vancouver, uh, JD Jackson, um, and then there was uh, guys from back east, um, Bill Wennington. So yeah, a lot of a lot of great players, and, and you know we we had a Mike Schmreck. We had a phenomenal team. It was just unfortunate we weren't able to um, um, put it together to to qualify for for the Olympics in Barcelona would have been would have been great to go to go there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome man. Yeah. Um, any other last reflections or a story you think you're leaving out or some sort of comment or something that you've thought or processed in the last couple of days that you wanted to tell us? Yeah, I think um, you know, just just have a priority list and be intentional about what you want to do um and and um you know um and go for it i mean so, so many times um i see people you know they're almost there and they just just give up so you know dream big um um and, and just keep going going for it um i really like going around talking to to young kids to encourage them i mean I really got inspired. I remember in the 76 Olympics uh, watching Natalie Komenich, the gymnast, and mm. I knew nothing about gymnasts, gymnastics, and, and here she's getting perfect tens. And, and, and it's, it's amazing how different things can inspire people. And, and, and that's, I think, as we get older, that's our role is to try to inspire people to, you know, use their God-given talents to, to make this world a better place. And, and and dream big um Mm -hmm. um, you know one of the things i mean this may sound crazy but one of the things you know i'm always thinking about what can you do in your own backyard and and you know this might be crazy but i hope that at some point there's a player from from the island here that stays either uvic or viu and and you know maybe as naive as phil o or myself and and they just keep working as hard as they can, and somehow they make it into the NBA. I mean, you know, we always think we have to go somewhere else. We have to go, you know, to Toronto or somewhere. But, you know, I think the message we should be telling kids is you can do it in your own backyard. Sure, sure, there's better opportunities elsewhere, but have, have people focus on what they can do, what they can control in their mm-hmm. own backyard. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and, and, and have a plan. And, and plans... I remember Mike Tyson said plans are great until you get smacked in the face and, <laughs> and, and you gotta, you gotta be able to adapt. Um, you know, you, you just can't give up so, so, so quickly. And, and, but you still have to have a plan. And, and, and for me, you start with goal setting. What's, what's important for you. I mean, for me, relationships are important. 
health is important. Finances and careers was way down there. I mean, it's it's all about connection to to community and 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 helping people and and um, yeah, uh, uh, you know, inspiring young young people like you are. That's that's you know, giving kids opportunities. Um, mm-hmm. um, you know, having them keep preparing, wait for their opportunity, and then you know they call that good luck, and and that's 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 what I think. Yeah, is a big part of it. Oh, the other thing I was um, yeah working. I'm working on a, a documentary for the eight three team, the Miracle on on Wood. Uh, there's um, there's a few people that were working together and putting that on on video. It's a slow process, but nice. Um, that's another thing we're we're working on. That's cool. Very yeah. cool. That's kind of the hard part too, right? As we've gone from you know VHS to DVD, and it's like it time's passing and we got to be able to keep those moments that we've had, at least get them up on YouTube or like somewhere where we can edit them and work with them. You know, it's, uh, it's changing. That's cool. Um, like you say, it's a long process, but it'll be, that'll be a great story when it, uh, when it finally comes out. And I agree wholeheartedly about the relationships I mentioned it before on the show, you know, as a teacher, I tell the kids in my leadership class and the kids that we coach, it's it, life is about relationships. And if you can connect with mm-hmm. people, it doesn't matter what you're doing um that's when powerful things can happen so thank you for that reflection um i think that's mm-hmm. super super good stuff and and amazing especially someone with the amount of experience that you've had through sport and in your own personal and business life that's great stuff so thank you mm-hmm. thank you right on um you ready to get down to it before we let you go sure okay sure. Tell us your true thoughts about ketchup on macaroni. Oh, ketchup on macaroni. My true thoughts. I'm not a big ketchup guy. I, I love ketchup on French fries and maybe inside a burger, but not with pasta. I love pasta, but please, no ketchup. There you go. There you go. Uh, appreciate that. Did you? I'm sure. Oh, you never made it to, uh, to Italy, but I was going to say. Oh, yeah. Had- I lived in. I there lived in Lugano in Switzerland. There you go. It was so you, the Italian uh, part. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, the pasta. <laughs> and we would travel to Italy and I think it was illegal to have bad pasta. If if you ever went to a restaurant and complained about the pasta, <laughs> yeah. they they would put the cook, the chef in in jail. I mean, everywhere is just wonderful pasta. That's crazy. Do you <laughs> you must know the name Tony McCrory? Yes, yes, I know. So Tony and I, yeah, so we're the same age and we're best of friends. He was like the kid that would bill it with me all summer, every summer for provincial team. And he ended up having a great pro career. And I went and visited him the the Olympic year, 2010. We went and he was living in Basel, but he was hurt. And that is where they had a game. So we drove down and watched the game and we were there. And I was like, why is everything in Italian? And so he had to explain the whole story to me. But yeah, so you've, (laughs) you've had some good past. I see, you know, the disrespect of ketchup on macaroni. (laughs) We appreciate that very much. We appreciate your, uh, your thoughts on that. Um, what, uh, I don't know, probably don't want to be listening to music while you're riding your bike through Victoria traffic, but if you get the opportunity to, uh, to listen to some tunes, what what kind of music are you, what, what are you, uh, are your go-tos? You know, I'm kind of all over, you know, I like some current stuff, but I like some, you know, Whitney Houston, Marvin Gaye, Elvis, um, Gloria Estefan, even um, 
you know, I, I listen to the Christian song music on um, 106.5. Okay. Even some jazz, Diana Krall. She, she's from the Nine. Yes. I never got to meet her. I would love to have dinner with her sometime. She's a couple years younger than me from the Nanaimo, but uh, I love jazz too. Nice. Okay, Diana, you've heard it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, every now and then during PE class for Spotify, I just throw on, you know, some seventies and eighties just so the kids can get a real history lesson. Cause I, you know, I, they, they have a tough time hearing music where you can actually understand the words and hear <laughs> the lyrics of what people are actually saying. So, uh, yeah, it's amazing to my two daughters, one's 23, 21. They actually okay. love some of the seventies and eighties. Yeah. Hey, yeah, this is, this is cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> good. Um, who's the greatest player you've played against and, Maybe or maybe a few, um, and and played with. Upon reflection, and I know this is hard. I, I've really picked up on the culture of you, Vic, during your time between listening to you speak, um, Coach Shields and Phil, and and the thing that I really appreciate about it is none of you guys ever make it about yourselves. It's 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 the machine mm-hmm. together, right? And mm-hmm. I so I know it's uncomfortable um, for many people, but I, I really pick that up on on your guys's sort of um, blend and generation that uh, you really don't want to talk about yourselves. But and I and I know that people were about leaving someone out um but i think uh people that know you know that it's not intentional but are there some people from overseas or the time that you you know that come to mind that were like wow that was a real baller i mean you mentioned jordan already obviously yeah i guess players played against uh, i'd say the top three that i say were the toughest was jordan james worthy and wayman tisdale i don't know if you oh yes Oh, he was a south southpaw uh, left yeah. hand. He was he was tough because he was mobile. And then and then other players like Magic Johnson, um, Sam Perkins, Barkley, David Robinson, Patrick Ewing, Oscar Schmidt, Carl Malone. Carl Malone was still kind of young when we played him in '83. Yeah. Petrovich, and Divac, the, the older Sabonis. He was kind of. Um, uh, and then Della Padgett, and then the the Italian men and again. Um, those guys were all pretty tough, but I would say Tisdale, Jordan, and Worthy were the three toughest. I love the Wayman Tisdale call. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, you know, you, you mentioned pretty much your whole mm-hmm. roster at UVic and just, you know, the opportunity with so many great different players that oh, you've yeah. been able to play alongside, right? So many. Yeah. yeah. So many good players. Yeah. I just feel so, so fortunate. Yeah. And I think, too, the, the cool part about, basketball I've always found is not just necessarily good players, but just good people too, right? People that you vibe with and just enjoy the process of trying yep. to compete together. Right. And that's, it's, that's just such fun stuff. I think it is. And it's, it's, it's not easy. I mean, I always used to be amazed at you the rugby players. They just kill each other in the game and then they go up for beer after and that's the buddies. <laughs> yeah. and, and I just couldn't get it, but you know, that's, you know, as an athlete, you're trying to, to compete and do the best, and and the goal is really, uh, you know, both of you guys, your competitor, your your team, and the team you're playing against, both are improving, sort of a win-win situation. And but it's 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 not easy. Um, but that's that's kind of the, the the goal is 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 just playing Absolutely. hard on the court and forgetting about it after. Absolutely. Good stuff. Um, who's been the most the most important person or people in your life? 
Well, I would say my wife and parents and family and coaches and friends, you know, they're all kind of being like the win. But, you know, as a, as a believer in God, I, I'm going to put God as the, the first person. Um, you know, I always used to believe in God as sort of an insurance policy when, you know, I got in trouble or a bad flight, you know, help me. And yeah. and then he became one of my mentors. Um, and then now I, I, I want to be on God's team. So I, I just feel so, so blessed to, 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 to know, know God. Awesome. Love it. Great stuff. Um, okay. Just a couple more questions. This has been a great episode. Um, thrilled that you could join us. Uh, you get the munchies or you're a little bit snacky. We've had a variety of different answers here, but is there a certain bag of chips that if you had a craving or, you know, you're going to just have a little cheat meal or something, what, what are you going to grab and eat for a bag of chips? (laughs) For chips, I would probably, you know, when I met my brothers or friends, probably some plain or barbecue. Um, but you know, I, I kind of got into more mixed nuts or ice cream. Those are my, my go-to. Ooh. What kind of ice cream? Um, I don't think I've met an ice cream I haven't liked. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I, I, I probably eat too much of that. I'm trying to eat healthy and you know, less processed food, more nuts and veggies and fruits. You know, you, as an athlete, you know, you, you need that energy to think clear and and it makes even going to the bathroom better. So <laughs> eat, eat healthy. <laughs> ah, some chips once in a while is, is, is good. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's a great answer. Okay, Corbin, do you have a question before, uh, Gerald, before we get out of here? Yeah. Uh, quote that has stuck with you throughout your career, if there's any. Oh, a quote. I, you know, I have had so many quotes that I write down you know, life is about reminding yourself what's important. And, and there's, you know, so many good quotes, like not giving up, doing your best. And, and but what really comes, I think, was the one Coach D once says, is, uh, spend half the money and twice the time with people you love. So, you know, just surrounding yourself with people you love, people that can help you or you can help other people, I think is, um, um, one of my my favorite ones. That's a great one. That's good stuff. Um, okay, last question before we let you go. If you could do it all again, you would what? Uh, if I could do it again, I probably wouldn't change anything because I, I just feel to be, you know, the luckiest guy around, just so blessed with uh, wonderful family. And the one thing maybe... Uh, you know, way back in in grade six, when we had that practice with the cement pond, I'm going to try to find it. Joey McLaughlin, if you're out there, call me. We're going to try to get the band back together. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I love it. That is awesome. What a great way to end. You know, an absolute legend and, and uh, just, you know, one of the best players to ever come out of Canada. Um, we were super excited that you would be willing to join us and, and humbled that you would sit down and, and love hearing your perspective, um, love hearing how you speak, uh, took a lot away from this episode. Uh, you know, for those that 
still are you know wondering who uh, who Gerald is, give him a Google. The resume is absolutely phenomenal. He doesn't speak uh, like a man who has the resume that he does, but you can also tell that basketball has meant a lot to him and shaped who he is. So uh, yeah. we are more than uh, thrilled that you were able to sit down with us. And again, thank you on behalf of Corbin and I for being with us. Well, thank you. Actually, there's one last thing, because uh, I remember if we got another minute, there's, yeah. Oh, you yeah. know, we're cel- celebrating Black History Month, and there's um, a player from Lethbridge, a black player who is now living in Washington. He's a lawyer. And he wrote something that was with such wisdom. He, this is what he said recently. He says, about love and community and acceptance and about celebrating the things that make us different as well as the things that make us the same. And, you know, we've got to really be strong about oppression um, you know, giving everybody, you know, I just can't imagine what some people go through. I, I can remember being in a washroom in the Empress and going into the washroom and the lady sat, standing out the door and she had to open the door and, and yell, Billy, are you okay? Because, you know, her, her daughter, her, her son was in the washroom and she, she didn't feel safe. And there's so many people that just don't feel safe. You know, women not being able to go for for a jog uh, or black or Latinos being harassed by police and not feeling safe is, is not right. And it's, 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 it's unfortunate. And, you know, we all have to make a, make an effort to be intentional and, and, and not be um, um, putting up with, uh, with certain things. And, and there's another good quote. If, if I got another sec, you know, another minute here is, mm-hmm. you know, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It does. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. Always trusts. Always hopes. And always perseveres. And that is from the Bible. So, you know, a lot of lot of things that you know we have to think about to to make this world a, a better place for everybody i couldn't have said it better myself what a great way to end this episode uh love has no color it's on us to be better people it's on us to do the work and it's on us to be uh accepting of all and continue to make our world a better place what can we say gerald Thank you so much for being with us. You're a legend, and we truly appreciate it. We wish you nothing but success. Um, stay healthy. Thank you for you yeah. guys, man. You guys keep up the good work. You guys are awesome. You guys, you don't know what you're doing. It's, it's awesome what you guys are doing. Appreciate it so much. Thank you. Thanks to our sponsors. Um, thanks to our listeners. Like and subscribe. Uh, great episode, and we can't wait to catch you on the next one.